You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Businesses often need to verify personal information and they need to be able to do that securely. Evident is bringing confidence and peace of mind to personal data interactions across the globe. With Evident, businesses can confidently verify their customers, employees, and vendors without the risk and expense of handling sensitive personal data. Learn more by visiting www.evidentid.com slash reset. So it's the summer of 2018, and this candidate, Lauren Underwood, young African-American former nurse, is running for Congress in sort of the northwest suburbs of Chicago. Uh, my prior civic engagement included as an appointee in the Obama administration. This was not a race that Democrats had as one of their most flippable seats. In this Republican-leaning district, Randy Hulkman won the seat in 2010, and he's been a member of Congress ever since. You know, the Republican had been there for about four terms. And Democrats' chances of taking back the House became stronger as the campaign progressed. But something else was also happening behind the scenes, which I don't think we've really fully appreciated until now. Over the course of the fall, and really beginning maybe in August of 2018, Lauren Underwood's campaign would get tons of money from rich Silicon Valley tech types. And this was never really disclosed in, in full. I mean, you would see individual donation here and there. But what we sort of uncovered was there was this organization based here, which was quietly recommending tons of money and ended up being about $600,000 that Lauren Underwood would end up taking to the bank. Tonight, November 6, 2018, I stand before you as this community's first congresswoman-elect. And, you know, this is one of the reasons why, why Underwood uh, may have won, even though we didn't really realize it until two years later. Representative Lauren Underwood wasn't the only candidate to get this kind of money in 2018. Today on the show, the secretive Silicon Valley group that got tech millionaires to donate more strategically to Democratic candidates and their plan for the 2020 elections. I'm Ariel Zumros. This is Reset. Teddy Schleifer, you're a reporter at Recode, and you broke the news that this group has been raising money in Silicon Valley with the aim of directing it to Democratic candidates. What is this group? Who are they? So this group is called Mind the Gap. And if listeners haven't heard of it, that's sort of the point. This is a group that was sort of headquartered in Palo Alto, run by three Stanford University academics. And there's no website, you know, there's no Twitter page. If you go to the LinkedIn profiles of the folks that are running this, you're going to find nada. And that's because this is secret. This was a group that existed and was funneling, you know, $20 million in 2018 and has aspirations to funnel $140 million in 2020 into the U.S. elections. 
And basically by taking Silicon Valley money and helping them match that money to candidates who need it. So it's basically an advisory service, which maybe undersells the amount of influence they're kind of building in the Democratic Party. I got to say, when it comes to political donations, anything that's kind of secretive makes me feel personally a little uncomfortable. So what do you mean by secret? And honestly, how'd you find out about it? It's funny when you when you talk to people and talk to sources in Silicon Valley, this is sort of one of those things everyone knew existed that was sort of hiding in plain sight. But no one had really pieced together um, what this group is. And the, the reason why it is so stealthy is because that's the whole point of the business model. Mm. What Mind the Gap does or did in the past is direct money to Democratic candidates without Republicans knowing that they were doing it. Because lots of times in, pol- in politics, you know, Democrats will funnel money to candidate X and then suddenly Republicans see that and say, wow, we got to funnel our money to candidate Y. And it creates this tit for tat, right. which basically uh, restores parity and in Democrats' eyes makes it worthless. So the point here is to take the money and funnel it to Democrats, but do it covertly, do it late in the cycle before Republicans have the chance to catch up. So their entire strategy is actually secrecy. It is the idea that if they can sort of hide these donations from Republicans, they can prevent Republicans from hitting back. Right. As, as, one, as one source told me, it's, it's raison d'etre is stealth. That's the whole point here. They're not, they're not doing this necessarily to be cool or to uh, uh, avoid people like me, but obviously politics and political fundraising uh, is competitive. And if candidate X has a certain amount of money, you know, uh, that's only as important as the differential. And Republicans are monitoring this stuff and they're good at their job and they're making sure that their own candidates aren't underfunded. You're talking about this sort of as an as an open secret in some ways. What exactly is your reporting based on? What we found talking to donors and we reviewed a bunch of memos that the community that the group had communicated to a pretty large group of people. You know, we basically were able to to discover sort of the contours and real scale of this group. This is not, you know, one rich guy giving, you know, a friend $2,700. This is one of these movements that appears organic. It appears like Lauren Underwood is collecting $2,700 from Rich Guy Joe, but Rich Guy Joe and all of his friends are donating lots of money on the same day. Lots of $2,700 checks are coming from California into Illinois. So this appears organic, but the memos that we've obtained makes clear that this was a coordinated effort that was pretty successful by the end of it. Uh, you mentioned the $2,700 number. Yeah. Why $2,700? So $2,700 was the legal maximum in 2018. Um, these were all max out checks. They were not interested in, you know, $20 to Bernie Sanders here. This is the legal maximum you're allowed to give to a candidate. And what's the idea here? Are they funding a particular set of policies or a kind of Democrat? So actually they're funding any kind of Democrat that meets their criteria. Lots of times in political fundraising, donors want an emotional connection with a candidate. It's a very human reaction, right? You want to get to know the person you're giving money to. What Mind the Gap's theory is is that emotion is overrated. Basically what donors should do is give money to candidates who need it the most, regardless if they're a little far left, a little far right, aren't the right race, aren't the right gender, aren't the right district, that they should follow the math where it leads them. Is that the reason that they are able to attract the attention from big Silicon Valley donors? I think so. This is a, you know, unemotional, data-driven, all-math theory. And I think that has appeal in Silicon Valley because that's 
theoretically how they made their money in the first place. I think a lot of people I spoke with uh, are sort of at a loss in this moment where they care a lot about the country. They think Trump uh, infringes on a lot of their values and they have a lot of money, but they don't really know what to do with it, right? They've got a lot of cash. They've parked up for some rainy day. This is the rainy day. And suddenly someone walks into their door and says, here's the memo. Here's the brilliant idea. It's sort of a plug and play solution. So you mentioned that the group has a data-driven strategy. What exactly are they looking for in candidates, and how does this all work? So typically, donors want to fund the candidates who are most likely to flip a particular seat. So let's say you've got candidate Joe Smith. He's got a 49% chance of winning. If I give him $2,700, he'll go to a 49.5% chance of winning. Pretty good. Mind the Gap had a different theory. They proposed that if they gave money to a campaign that was maybe, you know, a one-third chance of winning as opposed to a 49% chance of winning, if you gave them 2700 bucks, maybe they go from 33% to 37% or 40%. Still not likely to win, but the impact of each marginal dollar was greater than giving it to a campaign that's overfunded, that's already at 49%. So they sort of focused on these districts that were tough wins for Democrats, but would have had a huge impact if they did flip. So their idea was, we're going to basically game this. We're going to figure out where each additional dollar makes the greatest impact. That was the core insight. So this is sort of like a money ball theory of donations. Yes, for folks who remember the book or the movie. The idea here is, we don't need to have the best team. We don't need to have the highest paid players. And in this case, it's, we don't need to fund the campaigns with the most money or the sexiest appeal. Let's just take it all by the data. And whatever the data says, we will follow it. That's the core idea, whether it's the Oakland A's or Democratic congressional candidates. Whenever these kinds of new strategies are reported on, I think the fear on the part of the people who are using them is that those strategies will then get turned on them, right? That Republicans will now start doing this and doing the same kind of math because it's not like they, it's not accessible to them. Right. So is that something that that you heard from anybody as you were reporting on this story? Yeah. In fact, it, it, Mind the Gap explicitly calls that out as a concern. You know, they have a whole section in their memo about discretion, which we unfortunately obtained, basically saying that, you know, its donors should not circulate any of the highly sensitive information. You know, they say, quote, in 2018, we managed to stay out of the news and as far as we know, out of Republican sightlines throughout the whole entire cycle. That was the whole idea um, was to keep this stealthy. But on the other hand, I think that most Americans deserve to know the forces that are putting millions of dollars into the election system. Did the candidates who were funded through Mind the Gap, did they know that that is how they were getting these $2,700 donations? I know that some candidates were not aware of this. Wow. Which makes me wonder a lot about how American political campaigns work these days. I've talked with some folks who say that they've discussed Mind the Gap with candidates during the campaign of 2018, and the candidates were bewildered. They had no idea uh, what these rich people were talking about. Um, though, though after the campaign, you know, Mind the Gap says in one of its memos that they are incredibly grateful to you all, and many attribute their victory, rightly or wrongly, to Mind the Gap's efforts. You know, that could just be uh, chest thumping, but a lot of these folks, I think the full scale of their giving was not totally appreciated, probably until now. So how much money have they raised? So they've raised about $55 million since mid-2018, at least, as, as far as we're concerned. 
in the 2018 cycle, they directed about $11 million to congressional candidates and then another $9 million to sort of outside Democratic-aligned groups. But that all pales to what they're planning for 2020. Memos that we've seen um, describe an ambitious $140 million plan for 2020 focused mostly on voter registration efforts. That sounds like a lot. It is a lot. It would certainly cement this group, if they haven't been cemented already, as a power player in democratic politics and, frankly, one of the bigger underappreciated forces on the left. Okay, so do we know who is behind this group? What's their background in political fundraising? So that's, that's what I find one of the most fascinating parts of this whole story. Usually in politics, you raise money if you've got credibility and you've done this for a long time. People trust your judgment. But this is run by a group of Stanford academics, people who work at the law school, sort of junior people from the political world. This is not a heavyweight group of brand name, you know, money chasers. The head of this group is a woman named Barbara Freed, and she's running this alongside uh, someone who's a former head of the Hewlett Foundation, a big philanthropy out here, along with a junior former Obama aide who's now a fellow at Stanford University. Stanford is not officially involved with it, but their fingerprints are all over this. Did you ask Barbara Freed to comment on this? Did, did any of the people who are running this talk to you? Yeah, so Barbara uh, Freed gave me some comments that sort of described in general what they were doing, you know, sort of downplaying their role as merely a donor advisor, which is accurate. Um, but the memos sort of speak for themselves, and they sort of paint this, uh, this picture of quite a powerful organization that she's built, you know, frankly, with zero accountability or transparency publicly uh, until this story. I mean, more broadly, there is a long history in American politics of people funding things covertly and not always disclosing what happens. You know, I think it took reporters and the public a pretty long time to sort of understand the scale and scope of the Koch organization, Charles and David mm-hmm. Koch, uh, who funded a myriad of groups on the right through nonprofits, through C3s, through super PACs that were never really appreciated until now. And obviously one of the questions that uh, has has appeared in in my brain over the last week or so is how many other things are out there? How many other major Democratic groups out there or Republican groups out there that are sort of feeding what seems to be organic political interest in candidates but really is something much more coordinated? That's one of the questions I have. Um, and if anyone has any ideas, uh, let me know. That's a that's a really good question because from an outsider standpoint, looking at these donations, all you're seeing is a millionaire giving $2,700 directly to a candidate, right? That's what it looks like. Right. And, and, and that's totally legal, totally disclosed. But the backstory of these contributions makes clear that the money isn't is not organic interest. Right. And look, I mean, there's lots of times in politics where – Uh, what's on the surface isn't always what it seems. And there's nothing untoward about rich people giving money, you know, in a coordinated way. There's no allegation that any of this is illegal or anything like that. But it does fill out the picture of how exactly money from Silicon Valley is going all across the country to infuse Democratic political candidates. We reached out to the folks running Mind the Gap for comment. Stanford law professor Barbara Freed sent us a statement from the group. The statement reiterated that Mind the Gap merely advises donors. Quote, Donors are free to use our research as they see fit and make whatever contributions they choose. These strategic donations are happening at a weird time for the tech world. 
because Silicon Valley and the Democrats are kind of going through a breakup. That's after the break. This is Reset. Capital One knows life doesn't alert you about your credit card. That's why they created Eno, the Capital One assistant that catches things that might look wrong with your credit card, like overtipping, duplicate charges, or potential fraud. Then sends an alert to your phone and helps you fix it. It's another way Capital One is watching out for your money when you're not. Capital One, what's in your wallet? See CapitalOne.com for details. Capital One knows life doesn't alert you about your credit card. That's why they created Eno, the Capital One assistant that catches things that might look wrong with your credit card, like overtipping, duplicate charges, or potential fraud. Then sends an alert to your phone and helps you fix it. It's another way Capital One is watching out for your money when you're not. Capital One, what's in your wallet? See CapitalOne.com for details. Teddy Schleifer, reporter for Recode, how has Silicon Valley's relationship with the Democrats changed over the last four years? It's really been remarkable. Four years ago, even, and it's not that long a time ago, Democrats were, were tripping over themselves to sort of make their tech cool well-known, you know. Take a look at the Hillary Clinton campaign, one of her key emissaries to the Valley, and reportedly one of her cabinet posts would have gone to Sheryl Sandberg, chief operating officer of Facebook. And now Democrats are running away from tech. If they have tech support, they're downplaying it. The idea of doing a flashy rollout of Silicon Valley leaders has sort of become dated. There's no longer this idea that tech cool is worth the risk if you're also going to take on tech baggage. Does that change surprise you? I think this broadly tracks with American public opinion. I think a lot of people across the country us included in, in, in media have sort of become more enlightened to the risks of tech, and Democrats are sort of following the public on this. Right now, there are quite a few Democratic candidates who are, have been very explicit about their desire to regulate big tech companies. How are donors in the Valley responding to that? I think one misconception of donors in general is that they are narrowly driven by self-interest. Obviously, the people who are giving money to campaigns don't want to be denigrated. But it's not as if everyone in tech is thinking all day about the FTC or tech policy or, the, you know, the perils of Amazon's monopoly. I would say there's billionaires and, and tech wealth that finds Pete Buttigieg attractive because he sort of reminds them of maybe a startup founder who could pitch them mm. on their new idea. But there's a lot of people in tech actually – tech elites who actually do like Elizabeth Warren a great deal, even though she's obviously calling for a lot of these companies to be broken up. I think those two candidates, even though they actually have very different approaches to how they would deal with Silicon Valley, are probably competing most fervently for Silicon Valley's elite support. Why would Silicon Valley folks want to give money to candidates that want to regulate their companies? I think lots of people in Silicon Valley agree with Elizabeth Warren. Um, obviously, you know, Mark Zuckerberg famously said, that uh, a Warren presidency would suck for Facebook. Um, you know, I mean, if she gets elected president, then I would, I would bet that we will have a legal challenge, and I would bet that we will win the legal challenge. But for lots of uh, rank-and-file tech employees, I think that the ideas uh, that Warren is proposing uh, resonate. And I also think that lots of people in tech 
are not overly driven by tech policy. You know, they care about the environment. They care about social justice. They care about tax policy. What happens to Facebook, especially if you don't work at Facebook, doesn't really affect your bottom line. How have Democratic candidates themselves been responding to this shift in public opinion when it comes to how Silicon Valley and and the tech world is perceived? Are they no longer taking money from the Valley? Warren and Bernie Sanders are not doing high-dollar fundraisers this cycle. We need to get money out of politics. We should run our campaigns on that basis. Elizabeth Warren has gone even further and said that she will return any money of over $200 that comes from big tech executives. So Warren has staked out one side of this argument. The other side is probably represented by Pete Buttigieg, who has a lot of elite tech support, probably most famously and recently epitomized by the wine cave incident of 2019. The mayor just recently had a fundraiser that was held in a wine cave full of crystals and served $900 a bottle wine. But it's interesting. Even candidates who are strongly supported by tech don't want that to be publicly and widely known. A couple months ago, there was a story about how Buttigieg had received campaign recommendations for staffers from Mark Zuckerberg. And what was interesting to me was not necessarily the story, but how the Buttigieg campaign responded to it. They wanted to make it very clear that Mark Zuckerberg and Buttigieg were not close friends, that Buttigieg takes referrals from everybody. They downplayed Zuckerberg's involvement. Um, I, I think that this probably should not be misconstrued as, as, as if I'm like, you know, deeply involved in trying to support their campaign or something like that. While you could see in a previous era, maybe a campaign wanting to be affiliated with one of the wealthiest people in the world who runs one of the most innovative companies of the 21st century. Now in this situation, Zuckerberg has become a liability. And I think more broadly in democratic politics, he's become a villain for a lot on the left in a way that Charles Koch is and in a way that George Soros is on the right. Now that you've published, I think, two stories on Mind the Gap, how do you think this is going to, this dynamic that's being set up between the Democrats and the Republicans and how they donate money in Silicon Valley, how do you think this dynamic is going to shape the November elections this year? A lot of people in Silicon Valley are desperate to get rid of Trump. And I'm not going to be surprised to see a thousand flowers bloom here and every, you know, hustling operative trying to build their own mousetrap to take advantage of the fact that Democrats in Silicon Valley will pay money hand over fist to get him out of office. Now, ultimately, money is only a part of the story here, right? Obviously, Donald Trump was massively outspent in 2016. It seems like there's tons of enthusiasm on both the left and the right to kind of create the impression that neither the Democrat nor the Republican will be underfunded in 2020. But ultimately, I think this shows that Silicon Valley's influence in democratic politics for all the rhetoric from Elizabeth Warren, from all the rhetoric about small dollar donors, rich people in Silicon Valley still desire tons of influence in the Democratic Party. And this is a trend that's going to accelerate as we get closer to 2020, not decelerate. Teddy Schleifer is a reporter for Recode. He broke this story. Teddy, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. You bet. I'm Ariel Demros. This is Reset. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at ADRS. You can also reach the Reset team by emailing reset at vox.com. We publish episodes three times a week on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays. 
So if you haven't already, subscribe to the pod. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or in your favorite podcast app. And if you like what you hear, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps, and I read the reviews. We'll be back on Thursday. Later, nerds.